It's my privilege this morning to launch our new teaching series, which is going to take place this week and the next four weeks, entitled Prayer, How They Really Prayed. Uh, If I've not met you before, warm welcome. Happy New Year to everybody. My name's Tim, uh, one of the leaders here. We, you may be picking up just from Martin's announcements, we are just feeling as leaders a, a burden actually from God to be giving ourselves to prayer uh, this year, perhaps even stepping up a bit more than, than in previous times. And we've, uh, Martin, inspired by a remarkable prayer meeting in the autumn, prayer meetings in the West. Uh, we've got a week of prayer at the end of February. Uh, Adam uh, is uh, going to be taking an initiative, giving us sort of prayer pointers on a monthly basis for community groups for individuals which will be written down so that we've got them to use uh, personally, both uh, uh, things for us as a church and things internationally. Um, We're just feeling God's putting something on us right now in terms of praying. And uh, more than doing something together though, individually prayer can often be a challenge. How do I start? How do I actually pray in the will of God? Do my prayers really make a difference? How do I persevere with prayer? And this series will focus on five prayers, both in the Old and the New Testament, to help motivate our prayer lives and to equip us further to effectively, both individually and corporately, pray. And within each uh, prayer, we're going to find there are principles that we can apply to our own prayer lives. Uh, We're going to be looking at uh, Paul uh, and a prayer he prays recorded in Ephesians. Hannah from the Old Testament, she prays in 1 Samuel. Jabez, again in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles. uh, A prayer of David in the Psalms. And today I'm launching this series looking at probably the most famous of all prayers in the Bible, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, which is often and commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It's interesting that in the Gospels there are many uh, references to Jesus praying. You couldn't mistake the fact that Jesus set set times aside, many times aside, uh, to be with the Father on his own to pray. Although there are only a few examples of the words he actually used. John 17 being the longest uh, recorded uh, prayer of Jesus. One of the most famous ones apart from uh, the Lord's Prayer here being uh, his prayer in Gethsemane. But in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives his disciples and us a framework or model for prayer. And when Luke introduces his section where this prayer is actually recorded, his implication is that the disciples are asking Jesus to teach them how to pray in the same way that he prayed. So Luke 1, 1 to 2, we read this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as uh, John taught his disciples. And then Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Now, you can get some really big, thick books on prayer. You can read through all the details, all the techniques, all of people's experiences through many ages of wonderful praying Christians. 
Jesus condenses his answer into how should we pray Jesus in a very simple few phrases which can profoundly make a difference to all of us in our prayer lives. And it's called the Lord's Prayer. We're going to read it in a minute. In Matthew 6, when Jesus introduces this subject, um, uh, he, in a, as a part of the Sermon on the Mount, he says prayer should not be for show to others, nor as a babbling ritual, like my old school assemblies when I was a schoolboy, it used to be. I used to say the Lord's Prayer in those days. Not a magic formula or a religious act of worth in itself, like in many religions. But he said this, so let's look at what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 6 to 13. So Jesus said, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. That's good, isn't it? When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Isn't that wonderful? They then pray like this. And this is Jesus' instruction. This is his framework, if you like, uh, for what um, uh, he says to pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now I've, in the last two and a bit years, had a personal renewal in the use of this prayer for me after two and a half years ago, or just under that, uh, some of you have been around the church for any length of time, will uh, recall that I just hit a wall of exhaustion. And just physically and spiritually, mentally, I just, need, I just had to have a break. And I, I just hit this wall. And there are times like that uh, when you just, you know, breaking through in prayer and all that kind of thing can become a challenge. Any, anybody been in that sort of situation? Can be other reasons for that. Um, but for me, uh, that was it. And I found the Lord's Prayer in Psalm 23, incidentally, as well. But the Lord's Prayer is so helpful in helping me to establish a prayer pattern that has really, in a fresh way, in a renewed way, lasted me. I've been a Christian many years, but in this last two years, uh, and even more recently, uh, uh, more than ever before. And I just want to share with you uh, three things that I wish that I'd seen about the Lord's Prayer years ago. But I do see now. Just three things. And the first of, is, is this, and I've inferred it already, but I want to elaborate on it, on it some more. That the Lord's Prayer, this prayer of Jesus, that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, pray is a framework for prayer given to us by Jesus himself. It's a model or a shape for prayer. Um, and uh, in, uh, when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, 
what we have just read is what he said. Now, in life, there are many, well, I'm, I want to help us to understand what I mean by framework or models. So just think of sporting events for a moment. Um, whether it be rugby or soccer or tennis or squash or any, any sporting event of anything, there is a framework within which those particular sports are played. Uh, there are rules, there are goals, there are objectives, uh, there are ways of actually playing those sports which give great enjoyment to the participants and great enthusiasm for those who love those particular sports. And it, it's exactly the same every time the sport is played or the race is run or whatever it is. You're used to what happens at the beginning, what happens as the thing progresses, what happens at the end. But the excitement of what takes place in that sport, for those who are enthusiastic about the particular sport, um, is there. There's variety, there's, there's, there's uh, uh, great uh, energy, and a huge amount can take place within that. Um, other things where there are framework, TV programs. So if you think of any successful television program, you know, something like Grand Designs or MasterChef or, or any TV program which is a, like a regular series, one after the other after the other, you know if you like that program what to expect. There's going to be an introduction uh, to it by the, the presenter. Uh, there, a story will unfold. Various things will take place. There'll be tension. There'll be drama. Uh, there'll be information. Uh, and, and usually at the end, there's a little epilogue thing or a little, you know, whatever it is. But it just works. There's a framework. But within that, there's variety every time. The same would be of, uh, think, well, even our Sunday meetings, actually. If you analyse it, we all know what we're going to expect when we come. You know, children are going to have their groups and the youth normally, and uh, we're going you know, to spend time worshipping God, first of all. We're going to get some news. We're going to be uh, sharing uh, from God's word like I'm doing now. We're going to have time for fellowship afterwards when we go home. But as well, we don't know what to expect because we don't know what God might do. But there is a framework within which it happens. And life's routines are just the same. I mean, just your daily routine, normal average day of the week, there is a routine that takes place. Uh, you know, three meals a day maybe, and, and all the other things that you do. There's just a routine. There's a framework within which we work. And Jesus giving us this prayer, he's giving us a framework with which to pray. In fact, I would argue we don't need anything else more than this. He's given us everything in these few phrases, which is like a package of framework from which we can really pray effectively in the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Am I getting the message across here? All right, so that's the, the, the first thing. And I wish I'd seen that years ago. You see, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to pray, he wasn't saying, oh, well, along with all the other prayers that you could pray, you could pray this one as well, if you like. No, he was teaching them how to pray. Full stop. Does that make sense? Uh, and you think, whoa, Jesus, there is so much packed in here. Now, I, we need a series just to go through this prayer. You have to understand that. And so I, I don't have the, the luxury of the time of going through every single aspect of it, although I will uh, go through a few. But for those who are wary of getting legalistic, you think, oh, I don't want to be legalistic, you know, just using the Lord's Prayer, blah, blah, blah. 
Actually, there's plenty of room, I hope I've illustrated within this framework, to be very spontaneous and led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus gives us this model prayer to help us avoid legalism and religiosity. Because he's saying already in his introduction in Matthew 6, don't be like the babblers, don't be like the ones who it was all outward impression but nothing on the inside. He's saying, no, if you want to avoid legalism in prayer, if you want to avoid religiosity, then pray like this. Does that make sense? And so therefore, you pray like this, and you'll be effective. You'll be praying, because this is how I, you know, there's this impression, this is how, how to pray, this is how I do it. For those whose prayer lives can be haphazard, this prayer helps you to have a broad balance of subject matter and to include all the essentials. For those who find it easy to be lazy or procrastinate when it comes to prayer, Jesus motivates us here to see the richness and rewards of intentional rather than sporadic prayer life. And he invites us to be active participants in the purposes of God through our praying. And for those whose prayer lives are more incidental than intentional, Jesus encourages us to set time aside to pray. Verse 6, we read this, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. It's very practical. Pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. If I was to put myself in one of those categories that I've uh, just gone through there, personally for me, um, then I would probably say that I'm more the, uh, better at the incidental than the intentional. Um, but I, I have a strategy of working around that one, which I'll tell you about in the moment. Because when it comes to some of the headline prayers where I've got a real burden from God, I can almost pray that anywhere, any place when there's a space. You know, in the car, just uh, coming up here or whatever I'm doing. You know, God just reminding you of this again. And, you know, calling on him. Or if there's a uh, well uh, WhatsApp uh, prayer group type request, you, you pray it just as the request comes in and that kind of thing. Um, and that's all good and well and good. But Jesus is speaking about setting time aside. And I find for myself, I, I deeply admire those who all their Christian lives have been systematic in praying. You know, they've set aside their time at the beginning of the day or whenever, and they've, they've just done it year in, year out, and so forth. Um, and it's just like those who, you know, when they're doing exams, they, they prepare well ahead, uh, and they keep uh, just doing that revision. They're very disciplined, and, and then they get to, you know, the, the night before the exam, and they're really quite relaxed. I'm almost the opposite. I'd be a crammer. <laughs> you know, it's the last minute, you know, is, is, okay, it's getting nearer. The deadline's getting nearer. I've got to do more and more and more. Uh, and a bit like that. That's just a temperament thing. And so what I have to do is keep reinventing my intentionality. Does that make sense? I'm reinventing it. So there have been times when I've had a little diary, a little book, 
uh, and I've, I've spread it between Monday through to Sunday, so seven days a week, and I've made a prayer list for each day uh, with particular requests being made for different people, for family or whatever, and uh, in so doing that. And then each, each Monday I prayed for these things, each Tuesday, and so on. And then, I, I haven't done that all the time, I don't do that at the moment. You know, there have been times when I've had a little bit more time, and it's more detailed, but doing like a journal, a prayer diary. Uh, so, and then you get quite reflective as well as the things God says as you pray. Um, I found that at times, particularly when the weather's nice, something like a cycle ride. Some of you do a prayer walk, but you're going quite intentionally, not just for the exercise or the scenery, but also to have time on your own calling upon God. I've uh, done all of those different things at, at different times. I find uh, that as well as that, um, I've used um, a book in the Bible. Uh, more recently, just going through the book of Psalms, but praying through the book of Psalms. Just been a helpful uh, structure. But more than anything else, I'm finding helpful is using this that we're talking about today, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And I want to just encourage us to see some of the value of this today. Now, something is better than nothing. It's important to make it attainable and sustainable and to persevere until you find what works for you. Jesus said, your Father who sees everything will reward you when you set time aside intentionally to pray. I love that talking to a Christian uh, leader who's a friend of mine this week and he was saying about some of his earlier formative Christian years when he was being discipled by a more experienced Christian leader and uh, he, was, he, he went for a time with him to chat with him uh, and uh, this friend of mine said so I, I, I was a bit negative, I was grumpy uh, and the question the person sort of discipling and helping me uh, said to me, he said, how's your prayer life right now? And he said, well, it's pretty non-existent. <laughs> and then this person wisely gave some, well, firstly, he said, well, I could, say, I could tell that. <laughs> he said, and then he just gave him some advice. He said, if you spend 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes just praying intentionally, you probably won't make a find much difference in the first day. Do it for a week, probably won't notice much difference. But you do that for a month, two months, on an ongoing basis, you will notice the difference, and so will others. And then he just said this, the, uh, the, the friend of mine just said this to me, he said, uh, and he's a leader, and he said, those that I'm leading and I'm looking around, I can always tell those that pray and those that don't, just by who they are and, and, and what they are. And that's quite a challenge, actually. Um, but it's being intentional. Jesus, uh, his disciples, saw how he set time aside to intentionally pray. And here he's teaching them and us to pray in the same way that he prayed uh, when we do that. So let's just very briefly look at the prayer itself. This is the framework. And then I'll bring you the other two things that I wish I'd known a long time ago. Our Father in heaven... It starts with a focus on God, not me. My relationship with God. God is a father to us. We're his children. He cares. He's personal. He loves me. He knows me. May your name be kept holy. Literally, may your name be sanctified, set apart as holy. 
Um, it puts in us a deep desire for God's name to be honored by individuals, by people, by nations. Those of you in Turkey right now, I'm sure you've got a deep desire for the name of Jesus to be honored in that nation. You see, and it does something when we pray that, uh, for that uh, to take place. In Isaiah 29, we're inspired to see a little bit of an elaboration on uh, what, what may your name be kept holy is about. Is may people be in awe of your name. Christmas time, Catherine and I love hearing the Queen's, uh, the Queen's 10 minute talk because what we really look forward to is when she honors Jesus for a short while. And it lifts our hearts. We want Jesus honored. Let your name be honored, be made holy. Then it carries on. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is his sovereign reign. May your kingdom come soon. May it be extended. May you be duly obeyed. May your purposes be fulfilled. And to pray that God's will uh, is done on earth as it is in heaven is broad enough to include two requests. God's kingdom now, uh, that God's will be done now on earth as it is being accomplished in heaven. Here I'd be praying for God to use me and others to extend God's kingdom now into every situation, workplace, neighborhood, family, nation. Pray for salvation of others, relatives, friends, colleagues, uh, general population. Pray for the church, for Christian friends. Pray for some of those big things like Martin was mentioning that, oh God, please maybe see some breakthroughs in healing because there are evidences of your kingdom uh, coming uh, now into the bodies of people. Also pray for things when you don't know what God's will is, but you know you've got to make a decision. When you're making that job application, when you're thinking about what university to go to, when you're making a decision of some major... of some major decision you may be saying Lord but I'm committing this to you your will be done not mine in this situation and committing it to him so your will be done in the now but also this, your, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that ultimately that God's will may be fully accomplished on earth as it is in heaven the kingdom yet to come praying for the return to Christ and the events leading up to this. Like in Matthew 24, 14, which is the clearest thing that Jesus ever teaches on what will happen before Jesus returns, that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to all the nations and then the end shall come. Pray for these things and pray for those then involved that we know of, that you're aware of, that God puts in your hearts that are doing that very thing and taking the gospel to other nations. It helps Catherine and I when we think of our own son in Japan and his family and sometimes you think they're so far away and we didn't see them at Christmas and this, that and the other and then we start praying this kind of thing and you realize they're there for the kingdom because they want to see a nation reach for Christ and be a part of that. It helps in the perspective and praying for God's kingdom uh, to come. So far, all has been about God, who he is, what he's doing, what his will is, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But the second part of this framework for prayer makes requests for ourselves. Give us today the food that we need. Literally, provide us the food we need in order to live today. Now, for many of us, with our packed deep freezes, with our ability to do internet shopping, getting paid maybe monthly and everything's okay, yeah, we, can, we can forget that actually we're utterly reliant on God for everything that we need. Even the health and the wisdom 
and the gifting uh, to, to be used to, to, to um, actually be employed, it all comes from God. And it helps us to be content in a society that would try and take our contentment away and make us discontent so we will buy their product or buy their experience. It keeps us in a place of recognizing that God will provide all that I need when I ask him. And it's a wonderful thing. And then forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. It takes us to the cross, the means of forgiveness, and to the need in our hearts to forgive those who have wronged us. It keeps us close in relationship with God and with others and keeps us from minimizing our own sins while maximizing those of others. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. God, keep me strong against falling into temptation and protect me from the evil one. These are good things to pray. So, It's a framework within which so much can be prayed. They're like headings, if you like, from which then, led by the Spirit and using our understanding, we can pray and we can pray. Second thing that I wish I'd seen in the Lord's Prayer years ago is that every part of this prayer is prayed with others in mind as well. Now, if um, whoever's on projection right now, I can't see who it is actually today, Hiya, Johanna. Can you just put the whole lot up, please? Just all the, the whole prayer for me. Thank you. That would be really helpful. Because um, I, I don't have time to go through everything. But have a look at this for a minute. That's it. Keep going, if you would. Thanks. Oh, oh they all come up separate, don't they, on this one? Never mind. Okay. Um, we, we know this prayer, many of us. Jesus says, go aside on your own in secret, where your Father will hear you and reward you, and then pray like this, our Father in heaven. You see, when I'm praying in the way that Jesus taught me to pray, I'm mindful I'm one of millions of God's people, all who call him Father. I'm one of a company of people. I may be on my own or on my bike ride or whatever I'm doing, however I've intentionally got time aside, but I'm one of millions Not just in this age, but in all the ages that have led up to now. And we are crying out to God. God's got so many children that he has redeemed through Jesus' blood. And so it just brings us to that. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Let your name be honoured, not just through my life, but through the life of all of your people. And it goes on uh, there. And uh, may your name... Uh, may your kingdom come soon may your uh, will be done on earth as it is in heaven in other words all believers are agents of God's kingdom and used to extend his purposes and you imagine from God's perspective it's impossible to do I know but with God on the throne and from people across the globe actually crying out to him on a regular basis whether together or on their own Lord your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and God the answering prayer God says it will be done. And we're a part of that, even when it's a really dark morning and just spending 5, 10, 15 minutes alone with God praying such things. What a privilege. You see, this is something we're, we're in the context of, of an us, even when we're praying something like this on our own. And then it got, give us today the food that we need. I and mean, it leads me to broaden, it's us again, it's not just me. 
So I'm not just praying for my own needs, but I'm praying for the needs of others as well. And I'm praying, Lord, please provide this person and that person and give them their needs. It might help you to be generous in meeting the needs of others where the opportunity arises. It could lead you to pray for food bank, for homeless, for refugees, for wider issues in society. Just praying that. And then forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. It leads us to pray that we would all enjoy, not just me, all enjoy the forgiveness of God and living in his grace. That we would all be a forgiving people, not just me. It broadens it out to praying for one another. And don't let us yield into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's praying these things not just for me personally as I'm praying, but praying for all of us and others that God puts in our hearts and our minds at the same time. Now you imagine if we're all doing that. Wow, I mean this, this is just amazing. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. We're getting home, all right? Last, last one, just coming on to the third thing that I wish I'd seen in the Lord's Prayer years ago. And then using this prayer matures us as Christians. It actually disciples us. It shapes us. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see one another and God himself. It enlarges our perspective of God and his purposes. It makes us more like Christ. Through the use of this prayer, Jesus is teaching us to express our dependence on God, our submission to his desires, and our desire that God's will is done and his glory is revealed. It's doing something in us. And so just the use of this prayer actually does something in you and makes you more like Christ and more mature. It disciples you. Well, you know, who can I get to disciple me? Well, what about Jesus through you using the prayer that he's taught you to pray? I'm not saying other discipling isn't. I've used a good illustration already in the past. But you know what I mean in terms of that. You know, our Father in heaven is your identity. I am reminded every day that I am a child of God. That's a good place to start. And I have a Father in heaven to whom I have access at any time in any place in any situation or circumstance I find myself in. And it goes on, may, may your name be kept holy. May I live a life that leads others to honor God. It changes us. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as in heaven. To pray this is to commit ourselves to accept his kingship and to do his will. Give me today the food that I need. It helps me to see that all I have comes from God and I can be content with that. Forgive us our sins. It helps us deal with the imperfections in our own lives, knowing there is forgiveness on the cross. As we've forgiven those who sin against us, it helps us stay in good relationship with others without bitterness or bearing grudges. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It helps us stay strong, knowing who we are, and to be prepared for whatever difficulties might lie ahead. If every one of us is praying on a regular basis in the way that Jesus taught, intentionally, lovingly, fervently, persistently, creatively inspired by the Holy Spirit, I believe if all God's people are doing that, it will have a powerful effect. And as I'm looking afresh at this prayer, I'm realizing I've hardly left the foothills 
but the mountains beckon. I'm not saying anything here as an expert, but just like you as a learner who is being beckoned afresh to press on with God in these things. This is the prayer model that Jesus gave his disciples in answer to their question, Lord, teach us to pray. It's as relevant today as it was then. And when we pray in line with the sections of this prayer, we reaffirm our relationship with God as Father. We pray for God's kingdom to come. We pray in line with God's will. We ask for his provision. We receive his forgiveness. We ensure our relationships with others are healthy. We ask God to help us not to sin and to protect us from evil. It helps us to be mindful of and pray for one another and others around us. It is a means of helping us grow in maturity in Christ. This prayer helps us to stay very God-focused in our praying. He is our Father. It's his kingdom. His will is to be done. He's our provider, our forgiver, and our protector. Inspired by the praying Savior, Jesus' disciples were hungry for him to teach them to pray to the Father like he did. And we are privileged to have Jesus' model for prayer recorded for us in the Gospels. So can I encourage us to ask Jesus for the same hunger that his first disciples had and see this prayer with fresh eyes and let it equip us to become increasingly effective in prayer. Why don't we stand together? Oh, our Father in heaven. Can I just encourage, can we just, Johanan, could you, are you there? Can you put the whole prayer up for us? Just a moment. Thank you. Should we just pray that together? And I've added on. Now bear in mind, these are, sub, these are headings. There's a whole load more to follow on, but just to pray. And I've added on what the church added at a later date, not uh, Jesus in there, and yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever amen which is so in line with the whole prayer but can we just pray this together is that okay you happy with that so let's uh, just pray as it is here this is the new living translation version but let's pray our father in heaven may your name be kept holy may your kingdom come soon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's applaud the Lord, shall we? Lord, we come before you as your people and say, teach us even more. Help us to make the next steps, as it were, in being motivated to pray and to pray uh, as you taught us to do. Help us not just this week, but with the subsequent weeks as we look at different prayers in the Bible to be inspired and equipped and then use our praying as individuals and as a church for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.